Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are discussing Tread. Now, usually I have the finger on the pulse when it comes to like true crime documentaries, but this one somehow slipped through. And I know the story. So I remember the story crazy. distinctly. Yeah, crazy. I haven't seen this one, but maybe because of the name. Yeah, I definitely didn't. They should have named it Killdozer. Because like, <laughs> that's what this is about. Like, everybody fair. knows the story as the Killdozer. And to yet fair, it's... he didn't. He didn't kill. Well, I mean, he did try. Unless but... you count the buildings. <laughs> he tried. But yeah, I was like, why didn't you just name it Killdozer? Just, it was a very... Because even like, uh, we'll get into it in the end. <laughs> so once I realized, oh, this is about the Killdozer, then I was pumped to watch it. And you were asking about doing like a low-key doc after all the nightmare ones we'd done. Like, it's Christmas time. Let's go a little easy. And yeah. There's I only mean, one death. There's so. only one death. There's no, there's no murder in it. And honestly... I don't think that I was supposed to laugh as much as I did during this. I don't think I was supposed to, but I laughed a lot. That's because you're dealing with a very paranoid person, too. Everyone it's always hard to take seriously. There's always some some person that thinks they've been fucked over in some way. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, in some parts, yes. He was. Yeah. He took it a little extreme. So. Yeah, there was definitely some some mental issues going on in this man's life, but I. I laughed a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> like, as long as you were happier than I've, you have been with the latest ones we've done. I, well, I mean, I, I've been happy with them. I just <laughs> feel they, a little empty afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, that, that tis the season for like, you know, sad. And, yeah. You know, so this was definitely a little pick me up. It was probably not meant to be, but it was. <laughs> But I have, I have a pretty fucked up sense of humor, so that's probably part of it. <laughs> so, Tread is a 2019 American documentary film directed by Paul Sollett. It premiered at South by Southwest Film Festival in March of 2019 and to limited theaters and on Netflix on February 28th, 2020. And it's sitting at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's so, pretty good, yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. Marvin John Hemeyer was born on October 28, 1951, in Castlewood, South Dakota. He served in the Air Force and was stationed in Colorado. He realized he was really good at welding and working on engines and motors, so once he got out of the Air Force, he decided to stay in Colorado. He worked at muffler shops for a while and eventually started his own business. Well, he was basically like, I could do this myself. Yeah. Uh, despite what he later does, everyone seems to agree he's a great fucking welder. Yeah, he's he's really good at what he does. And we'll get to how good he is. And he loved to go snowmobiling, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, he was really not not just like he liked to go snowmobiling. He had they had like a whole they club, had a club, the Thursday Crew, which where they what would a weird day of the week. Yeah, they would. Di why would you not ditch on Friday? But like <laughs> they would ditch work or whatever to go snowmobiling on like Thursdays, and they were saying like sometimes they would have like four guys and sometimes they'd have like twenty four guys. Like it was just like so weird. And then some kid randomly, yeah, like some like, teenager. Yeah, it's like I was only sixteen, so I couldn't drink and everything, but. <laughs> 
as his mother i'd be like why are you hanging out with a bunch of like 40 year old men and none of them are your dad on a thursday (laughs) on a thursday you're ditching school for this then i want to ride in a snowmobile that does honestly all the pictures like the snow and Mm -hmm. like all the footage like i was just like that is my dream i want to be there like all we have are lake activities here and Fuck well, the lake. They're so nasty. Yeah. <laughs> I do not want to go, especially because every couple of years it's like, oh, there's an alligator, and yeah, I don't, don't want to go in the lake. No, I don't. I don't. I don't do the lake. I, I've never done the lake. I want to crash into a tree on a snowmobile. Seriously. And he reinforced them. He yeah. they're like, you weren't living unless you had a Marv bumper. <laughs> like they, he literally like formed like metal or like steel around like the like bumper street sign poles he yeah was just, yeah he was like bending it custom around so, so they, they could, could literally take down trees they were small trees but it was still funny they were small trees but they were still like he was like reinforced five inch trees i was like okay those are like bushes so he buys a house in grand lake colorado which is about 16 miles or 26 kilometers away from granby which is where all this goes down also granby is a dumb name makes me think of grandies and then i want yeah (laughs) no it's grandies according to a neighbor marv moved to the town more than 10 years before the incident everybody says more than 10 years but it's not like very specific number yeah yeah. like that could be like 11 or that could be like (laughs) 20 yeah In 1992, Marv purchased two acres of land from the Resolution Trust Corporation, which is a federal agency that basically handles foreclosed properties, for $42,000 to build a muffler shop in Granby. He had some difficulties with purchasing this land because there was a back and forth forth between Marv and a guy named Cody Dochiff, who wanted to buy the property to build a concrete batch plant. And this is why you think when you name your kids how that name's going to go years later. Because an old man named Cody is dumb. (laughs) Yes. But an old man named Marv, that works. Oh my god, a tiny little kid named Marv. (laughs) We had an old man named Cody I'm not going to take seriously. Dochef. Anyway, soon after, there's some rezoning of the area done, and now Marv needs his shop to be connected to a sewer line because he's basically just using a tank which that's not that insane yeah and i i do have to agree that that was pretty shady to like well and so from my understanding like i mean first of all it was a huge distance that he needed to build out to connect for sewage and i mean it it wasn't like a residential area no like i think he i don't think that they should have like tried to like force him to join like but the thing was he was fine with doing this however yeah the main sewer line's 60 feet or 18 meters away from his property and the city expects him to pay for the full cost which was going to be about eighty thousand dollars so i understand his anger at this point yeah but it was stupid you're like, rezoning the land not taking anything accountable from his point of view and then forcing him to pay 
Yeah, like you can't just expect, you can't tell someone to foot the bill for something that you are forcing them to do. Like if he wanted to do it, sure. But again, like this wasn't a residential area. He wasn't living at the muffler shop. Like it was a business and I don't think that you should, and it wasn't a restaurant either. Like you don't have to have like. It's a muffler shop. (laughs) Exactly. It's a muffler shop. They could have just brought in some fucking porta potties and like called it a day. He does not need to have sewage. That's not a. Yeah. So I, I was definitely on his side with this. Yeah. Well, and he was even like, yeah, I'll do it. But that's a huge amount of money to have to pay. Yeah. Like, that's twice what he paid for the fucking property. <laughs> yeah. So he has problems with Cody Dochiff and also the Thompson family who had the ugliest sons I've ever seen. Okay, so it's not just me that was, was being a bitch. It was three of the dopiest <laughs> dudes you can imagine. And it's like they got progressively uglier. <laughs> <laughs> they used up they used up what good genes they had on the first son and then it just Who died young. Who died young. <laughs> it's like in his forties or something. Yeah. They oh man, like that last one and the middle one. It's like the just, faces got squished more and more. Like I I do not think that I'm like some beautiful masterpiece, but those poor men, like Poor, poor men. Good thing they had money. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So the Thompson family is the oldest family in Granby, so therefore they have a lot of push in the town as far as money and city council shit. So within all this small town infighting, Cody buys land right next to Marv to build this concrete plant. I would be pissed to live in this town and have like some dusty-ass concrete plant like across the street from houses. Honestly, I think we're actually dealing with that right now in where like or whatever like with this whole people are against i guess they're putting in a concrete plant and people are against it or something yeah but yeah you're right it's and like he said like you know what about the dust what about like the congestion the water supply into this yeah and so and the guy on the city council is like oh you know we were grateful for marv you know having problems because every problem he brought to us like we could take it to cody and he'd be like oh no no problem we can fix that or we can fix this it's like (laughs) bullshit nobody else asked these questions like somebody who's not on city council's like hey what about this yeah like what about the water supply are we gonna be drinking like shitty fucking chemicals like so summer of 1999 cody is approved for the building of the concrete plant and i can't believe it was approved it's literally right next to houses. Yeah, it was just... Like, even the noise would annoy me. Um, so can we talk about Granby Town Board member Dick Brody? What was that facial hair? <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe it. It was a he had tea like, in the middle of his face. He had like a... It was like, it's like a capital t just across his like because he didn't have a mustache no but he's got like like it was like mutton chops but they were like tilted (laughs) so that they were like horizontal with his mouth it was and then he had like (laughs) just straight down it was it was like a huge capital t right in the face although i feel like he could have gotten like a little bit of like a mustache going and he could have had like a little bit of a lowercase t it was just <laughs> so dumb looking this is a grown man who yes, decided like his facial hair grown. needed so they're still insisting that marv needs to build a sewer line however to be able to do this he would need permission from cody because it would have to run through he his needs property an easement. and cody tells him no which is 
bullshit. I could not believe that they were faulting him for not building this thing when he needed the easement from Cody and this man said no. Like, it's a lot of grown-ass men just acting like children. Seriously. That's this whole story. And the city council isn't, like, shutting this down. They're no. not just, like... No, instead, they're fining Marv because he's not getting this done. Which he can't do because he can't go on this man's yes. property. It's, yeah, it's really shitty. So Marv has all these p- fines he's got to pay to the city for not being up to, up to code. It's just a lot of bullshit. I was totally team Marv. Yeah, they want him to fail because he's not a townie, but Marv is clearly not a man to fuck with. No, he's not. He will not be trifled with, and he is going to be doing some trifling. It doesn't help that, obviously, Marv has some paranoia issues. He definitely, I think everyone feels like, at some point, that they've been, like, unjustly treated or, you know, something has you know gone against them and like people are working against them in some way and something but i think he took it to like an extreme he felt the whole town was working against him it was definitely like some very serious but i mean under all the paranoia there's gonna be some truths exactly like he he was justified in a lot of his feelings and beliefs but maybe not to the extent yes his actions did not (laughs) so all of these guys are friends and I do believe they were purposely doing things to piss him off. Oh, absolutely. It was definitely, like he said, it was like the good old boys club. Like, they definitely were, you know, they were all friends. They were going to have, They've like... known each other for years, and then it's also, like, people with a lot of money and a lot of pool in the town. And... Yeah, they, like, most of them had, like, were either on, like, the city council or, like, they had been fucking mayor or, like, I mean, it was... Their like, dads were mayor. Or... It was, like, that one wild, wild country or whatever and they're just like you know every person in the town takes a a chance to be the mayor at some point like they're just like you know they're like oh i'm rich i'm gonna be the mayor for this term so yeah it definitely sounds like mean girls kind of thing yeah you can't sit with us but you can't have sewage (laughs) the problem is and he mentions in his tapes that he's not married and doesn't have family so he has nothing to lose he literally has nothing to lose and i felt bad for his girlfriend because well and also like if we can touch on the whole girlfriend thing like from my understanding in this documentary she said that he only met her children once and i was confused by that because they dated for several years but i think because her kids were out of the house like they're okay that makes more sense young that makes more sense then because i was like he only met your kids once and you guys dated for years like that seems but Again, like, he didn't, I guess he liked kids, but he didn't. He just didn't ever have a family. Yeah. Because when this all goes down, he's in his 50s, so. And he moved to town, like, 10 years before, so they're probably, like, in their late 30s, 40s when they met, so maybe the kids are out of the house, or I don't know. God, I just remember that I'm, like, in my mid-30s, and my kids are not out of my house, (laughs) so. Not even close um yeah but and she seemed like a really sweet woman and Mm -hmm. like you know she and a lot of people did say like he was a nice guy like he he was an awesome welder he was a nice guy like he just he wasn't treated fairly yeah but these people have to know you don't fuck with crazy (laughs) no you do not number one rule so now we get to when Marv is being an asshole. He files a lawsuit against the town for the sewage thing, and 
Also, he felt like the concrete plant would have cut off access to his shop. So Cody is finally like, okay, I'll let you build on the property if you drop the suit, which Marv says no to. He's, He's already like, so pissed. No. <laughs> he calls him up. He like hangs up on him. Like, He's just like, no. I have been begging you to let me do it. Now you're like, okay. So Marv agrees to sell his portion of land to Cody for $250,000, which is a great profit when he bought it for like 40000 Yeah. Cody agrees, so Marf changes the price to $375,000. <laughs> and this goes back and forth until it reaches almost like a million dollars. And and the man each time is just like, okay. So they're okay. just, everybody's but being he just doesn't, Yeah, he just doesn't want to let it happen. He just, he's like fucking with him. Summer of 2002, Marv bids on a, oh God, what was this? Komatsu D355 Bulldozer at an auction in California and wins. She's like out of nowhere. I looked up and I could not find how much he paid for this thing. Like, I really wanted to know. Well, and I think when he went to sell, wasn't he selling it for like 33000 or something? He was trying to sell it for... I was like, how much do you pay for this? The man had disposable income, okay? He well, not just... only that, then he had it shipped to Colorado from California. Yeah, like, I mean, I thought it would have been funnier if he drove it from... <laughs> <laughs> so he says he bought it to construct roads to his shop, which, I mean, I don't know. His friend says he bought it to intimidate Cody. He I guess. He literally, like parked it facing the man yeah he parks it next to a dirt road and it just sits there with a for sale sign on it pointed towards the concrete plant which i guess that's intimidating he breaks up with his girlfriend trish and sells off a lot of his stuff and land i read that he deeded his house to a friend and lived out of his shop for a while and then sold off all his equipment and two shops he had and kept this small parcel of land that he housed the bulldozer at just in this weird shed yeah it was like a all of this started in 2003 and he's so fucking paranoid at this time that when he was selling off all of his stuff no one offered to buy the bulldozer so he took this as a sign from god that he should proceed with this plan he took a lot of things as signs from god yeah this is when the he man really hatched switches. the whole plan while sitting alone in the hot tub and his friend was nice. even like, I think he spent too much time alone in the hot tub. And he did. He really did. Because he felt that the fact that he didn't marry and have kids was a sign from oh, God. God. Yes. The, the fact that this bulldozer fit in this little shed thing yes. door, like he felt that was a sign from God. It's, he took everything yeah. as a sign from God. Oh, man. Which is just something for like religious... Nuts. Well, my thing was, so because none of these people had use for a bulldozer, he's supposed to just go through with this insane plan. It's a sign from God. God was telling him that it was meant to be. Nobody needed a bulldozer. Nobody <laughs> like... needed a huge fucking bulldozer. That thing was a beast. So it's not a coincidence. It's all signs from God. Okay. It's amazing that no one looked into what he was doing. 
nobody really asked questions. Yeah, and especially because it's not like he, because apparently he was like, he sold all the land to the trash company and then was like leasing back that one shed that he was hanging out in. He's not hanging out. He's living out of this shed. No, exactly. He gets rid of all his property and he's just living, living out of living in the shed. shed. He's got like a hot plate and a bed. He said he wasn't showering yeah, for days at a time. Yeah, he days without a shower just so he could w- work on this bulldozer. And... They didn't think it was strange that, like, not only is he, like, living in this shed with a bulldozer, but, like, he is waiting until they are done at, like, 5 or 6 p.m. and then, like, working all night. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's sleeping during the day and working at night, and they're like, this is totally normal. Like, Marv's just, like, you know, doing some business. It's, yeah. He's bringing in sheets of steel and constantly welding in this building that you know contains a bulldozer and... Just not asking really any questions. Yeah. You're just like, oh, Mark's doing Mark things. He has cameras on the outside of the shed, so he knew when the workers at the nearby buildings were gone so he could work and no one would hear him. But still, like, it's weird. Okay, and not to mention, like, so he sold his his snowmobiles, which, like, the man loved. <laughs> yeah, just... nobody asked questions about, hey, you're not snowmobiling anymore? I My first thought, like, if I knew someone and they suddenly like sold off all of their possessions including things that i knew that they really loved my first concern would be that they were contemplating killing themselves yeah and i would be seeking out like help for them or you know like like hey are you okay buddy like what's (laughs) what's going on no one did this for this man like he sold off his beloved snowmobiles and you're not questioning like hey mar are you feeling okay and it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. Yeah, and they're just like, oh, that's cool. Marv sold all his shit. So over the next year and a half, he created makeshift armor plating covering the cabinet and the engine. In some places, the armor was over a foot thick and had concrete sandwiched between sheets of steel. Yeah, he was like literally like that's welding casings and then filling it with cement, just like... And he got the sheets of steel from an automotive dealer in Denver, which is weird. It just, the whole thing is just nuts. Uh, And I love in his spare time, he's watching VHS tapes of action movies. (laughs) That one Vin Diesel movie. (laughs) And at one point, people came in to do inspections on the building for insurance purposes. And no one really looked in to further but he had it of... covered with like a tarp and he said that that was like another sign from god because they didn't question him on that like he just covered all of his work with a with a huge blue it's tarp weird. and he's just You're like there oh. for insurance you should probably look into like make sure there's nothing that can catch on fire or... yeah like what do you got under there like a flamethrower like just nothing nothing he's just nothing. like oh whatever he tells them some bullshit story and they just take him at his word all right marv but again, he takes this as a sign of God telling him to go through with this. God really had it in for granted. <laughs> for visibility, he fitted the bulldozer with video cameras linked to three monitors mounted on the dashboard. And the cameras were protected on the outside by three inch sheets of clear bulletproof Lexan, which I know for my previous job is just named brand polycarbonate. Yeah. <laughs> So just really strong plastic that's more resistant to heat. And he also fitted compressed air nozzles to blow dust away from the cameras, which is fucking genius. genius. The man is a genius. He really is. He thought of everything. It's these little He's like details that it really was. It was it was just 
you know, he knew that he wasn't going to be able to see when he was driving. So he's like, all these cameras. Then he's like, I'm not going to be able to, like, clear off debris. Well, not only that, it's the cameras are protected by this thick plastic. So the man bullets can't hit. It's, really yeah, was it's just a genius. Little, well, he was, like, by himself for a year and a half, so. Yeah, he really put in a lot of consideration. Um, he also added fans and an air conditioner to keep him cool. And he made three gun forts fitted for a 50 caliber rifle, a 308 semi-automatic rifle, and a 22 LR rifle. Oh, long range rifle, which means nothing to me. No, same. He also built his own crane system to be able to lift all this heavy stuff into the bulldozer. He really <laughs> was, like... I have to give him credit, though, for being so spry in his early 50s. Yeah, like, he definitely... He was... He was keeping in shape in that little shop. The best part is he would have had this done sooner if he didn't take off for the winter to go snowmobiling. <laughs> the man loves snowmobiling. He really does. It was, it was his one joy in life. So another thing he did was all of his money he slowly gave to his father, who in turn gave the money to Marv's siblings. So after the incident, it would be harder for that money to be recouped because since Marv was a step removed from the Which process. Genius. Yes. That's the smart. man really and honestly, good for him. <laughs> good for him. So on June fourth, two thousand and four, he greased up the bulldozer. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> to make it harder for people to climb on top of. And then Put on a Hawaiian printed shirt. Like some Vaseline. <laughs> the Hawaiian printed shirt part's funny. And climbed in for one last time. And the lid on it was so heavy he had to use the crane. So clearly it's a suicide mission. Like yeah, he had no intention of getting yeah, out. He didn't want to go to prison, so And I was so glad to see there was a reenactment on this documentary that mock Killdozer busting through the shed. I was <laughs> yeah. Like, Fuck yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was, that was so happy. Man, I I laughed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, he immediately heads towards the cement plant. He smashes into buildings, and Cody drove one of his construction vehicles over and tries to smash into the killdozer to try to knock it over on its side, which... Ha! Fat chance. Can't do with the weight of this thing. So, Cody ends up knocking himself out on the windshield for a couple minutes because <laughs> he hits it so hard, he flies out of his seat. <laughs> But and he I wakes... like the woman, like the nine one one call, where she's just like, um, "There's like a bulldozer, like <laughs> running into stuff and like knocking it down. Like if we could get like some help out here, <laughs> a bulldozer. There's yeah, a yeah, it's a bulldozer. It's a bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> so he wakes up once he realizes he's being shot at <laughs> because again, Marv installed guns. So while Cody's talking to the cops, Marv goes back to destroying the concrete plant and manages to knock down an entire wall of the building. Like, good for him. <laughs> I hate sounding so excited about the story, but it's just so fucking bonkers. It really is. And I, like, yeah, like, he did, like, the, it was not cool, man. Not cool. Like, you, like, you could have hurt someone. Like, it was yeah. definitely, like, you know. It was a lot of luck that nobody died. Yeah, and I think that's why I, I can laugh at this is because, like, nobody died, you know. Yeah. I mean, nobody was murdered. Like, somebody did die, but, like. <sighs> that was his plan to begin with, though. Yeah, just, like, I, I don't know. The, he's, like, he's getting his own form of justice against yeah. these buildings that, you know, are 
beloved by these people. He's just like, fuck you guys. I'm going to knock down your fucking house. So, yeah, this is this kind of thing hasn't been done before or since where somebody just like builds this giant tank. Literally, like it was literally like a fucking bulldozer tank. It was insane. (laughs) I remember seeing it as a teenager, like on the news. Yeah, because the only one I could like really remember in my brain was when that guy stole the tank from the base in California. Yes, I remember that (laughs) Which, like, who isn't? But this guy, like, built a tank. Yeah, he he was like fucking way different. Next level. Like, he's like, I've got this badass bulldozer. I'm gonna improve upon it. Yeah, I'm like stealing a tank. Yeah, that's kind of impressive. But building your own? That's, yeah. So I love the horror movie description these cops give of arriving (laughs) on scene and just hearing a bulldozer and then seeing it slowly come around a corner which like this like, monster it, it doesn't move super fast no but which it's... is like the funniest part because like it's just like trolling along and like the cops are running alongside it it's just <laughs> not even really running they're kind of jogging yeah like, it like it moves slow enough that these men could like literally just like trail it through town yeah. like evacuating but people just coming on the scene and just hearing like grinding metal and not knowing what it is until it just slowly comes around a corner is it's, it's like that um oh god what was the was it fully no i'm thinking of the the movie where like the machines like start killing people fuck what was that i keep wanting to say fully, fully automatic or something like say. that yeah it was like that Oh, God. It was such a, like... Maximum overdrive. Yes. 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 I remember watching that as, like, a younger, like, kid or whatever with, like, my dad. And just being like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, when the semis, like, running people down. Isn't that one the vending machine, too? Yes. It shoots like, cokes shoot out at, like, those kids at a fucking <laughs> softball game. <laughs> Jesus. That, like... Oh, man. No wonder we're so fucked up. Seriously. This is stuff we watched and read way too young. Oof. So, um... Yeah, they're just hearing the grinding squeaky metal on metal, and then bam, the monster. So the cops start shooting for the small portholes on this thing, but the holes are like two by four inches, and they're protected with the polycarb sheet, so... Yeah, since, you're not getting it. No, since they're shooting at it, Marv decides to fire back. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna luckily, fire on me, I'm gonna fire back. Luckily, the cops are hiding behind these cement barriers, so then Marv decides to just start heading towards the barriers and crashes through those the cops run off because again this thing's not that fast no it really isn't like later on there's video and the cops are just jogging alongside it seriously it was just like it was comically (laughs) slow so he's done with this area and runs over a car just to show how powerful it is i guess i mean i would too (laughs) like look guys so at this point, because this thing is so slow, word has gotten around that Marv is on a fucking rampage. And well, and I thought it was funny that they thought he was like up on like the mountain. Yeah, they or something, thought he was like, like remote, remote controlling this thing. Like, come on, guys. So anyone who has wronged him is in danger. They're all like, we're fucked. Yeah. At one point, <laughs> this is the best part. Cop manages to get on top. And that had to be a fun ride. <laughs> oh, I like how he, he was like, I don't know, it was like slippery, like Vaseline or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, I know he won't admit it, but that had to be fun. Yeah, he's like, I was just basically on top, but then I was like, you know, stuck on top. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
he notices there's no way to get inside of this thing. There's no door or door handle. And the only thing he sees is a fan vent for like the air conditioning unit. Kind of looks like the RV. Yeah, it's yeah. like a little port thing. He like tries green. shooting through that, but it doesn't do any good. They even throw flashbangs in. And it, like he's like, Nothing. all it did was just leave a stain on the side. Yeah. <laughs> like Marv really thought of everything. He really did. So as he's headed towards, was it the electric company building? That's when the cop jumped off. Or yeah, which come on. <laughs> so yeah, he does some damage to the electric company building and then heads towards town hall. Which town hall is weird. Town hall is on the second floor. Yeah, and then the the library was on the first on the, floor. Yeah. So and this is when I get mad. You don't fuck with the library. No. Especially because there were kids there during the time, because it was like story time or something. Yeah, and I, I have to think that he wasn't really considering that, like... No. Because I really don't think... I mean, he didn't have a grudge against children. Like, he was... He just wanted to damage everything. He didn't care who was in the way. It's just luck that nobody died. Yeah. I mean, he, he... It was a very lucky situation that they evacuated everyone. And then he also destroyed the playground. Why are you taking it out on the kids? To be fair, it was a really shitty playground. Yeah, but that looked like the only playground in town. Well, I have to think that they got a bigger and better one. (laughs) So thank you, Marv. So at this point is when they notice the cameras on the tank and realize that's how he's able to see where he's going and what's going on around him. So this has been going on long enough that now people with video cameras are showing up to record. Which, thank you, guys. You can see, like, the rest of this. The thing is going slow, so they're able to evacuate buildings. Yeah, it's like they're they just know like, where he's right, gonna every- go. Yeah, they're like, okay, he's heading this way. Everyone out, like, which is why there's like no deaths, and the cops are just walking alongside the. Sh- they're shooting the tank, which is dumb. I was amazed that there weren't any kind of like ricochet deaths. Like, That's what I thought. I was like, don't shoot that shit. Like you're gonna fucking it's get shot. Steel. Yeah, obviously bullets aren't gonna do anything to this. He destroys the newspaper office, which that one was kind of crazy because the people were running out as he's hitting the building. Yeah, they were running out the back as he was hitting the front. So they could feel like the floor moving and stuff as they're trying to get out, which, yeah, that's scary. But everybody knew what he was doing. Like, yeah. Why weren't you, like, with everybody else up on that hill? Yeah, everyone's just, like, for- there's, like, a whole crowd of people just, like, sitting and watching and, like... <laughs> Looking down on the town watching this I would have had some happen. popcorn. Yeah, so he destroys a newspaper office, a house owned by the Thompsons, the construction yard owned by the Thompsons, <clears throat> crashing through cars all over the town. Yeah, he's just, like, fucking plowing through shit. But I think it was more of just, like, to get through. Like, he wasn't necessarily, like, fuck you guys, fuck yeah. you guys. I think it was just, like, this is in my way, this is in my way. And then he heads over to the gas company. And and then everyone's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so since this is Colorado, there's hilltops everywhere. So it seemed like most everybody in town is just up there chilling. Yeah, just like watching. Which I mean, yeah, they should have just evacuated everybody up there anyway. That thing's not getting up that hill. No, we would have flipped But they're over. just up there just watching all this happen. And it's on a Friday. So that's really got to be like... It's like my Friday entertainment. Yeah. That sounds great. So once he starts heading towards the gas company is when people really start panicking. Because there's going to be propane tanks. And and not just like little camping ones. Like they were like, these are fucking 
huge yes. propane tanks. Explosive propane tanks. And, of course, I don't know who designed this town. There's houses right across the street. <sighs> I don't know who would want to live there. That sounds so scary. I mean, honestly, with the amount of times that there have been, like, industrial disasters and people have been affected by them because their houses are within distance like i am not surprised like (laughs) like across the street not like several feet away it's like right there um so he tries firing a couple of the tanks but the way the tank is his tank is built he the bullets aren't he's not able to get a clear shot so they're just like ricocheting off his own tank he does knock out a transformer, though, which, that sucks. That's, you're guaranteed hours of not having electricity. Yeah. He really did fuck over a lot more people with that than he did with <laughs> yes. any of the others. So he he's not able to ignite any of the propane tanks, so he moves on. The town gets some more construction equipment to try and stop him, but he just moves it. Just it was so funny. Going. They had like that huge like earth mover or whatever yeah. it was, and it was just like across the thing. And uh, the guy was like, "You gotta try and stop him." And he's like, "I'm trying. I can't." <laughs> yeah, he just and he just like pushes it along. But it does do enough damage to fuck up the radiator and cause the engine to overheat. So which I, mean, I got it did something. I got a little bummed at that. <laughs> but there's just plumes of white smoke pouring out of it, and then he just goes back into crashing into buildings on Main Street. He smashes into the hardware store, not realizing the building had a basement. And he (sighs) finally gets stuck. Witnesses report hearing the engine stop, and a short time later, they hear a single gunshot. Yeah, I was real bummed about that. But you knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen, but, like, I didn't want him to, like, I didn't want it to end so soon. Yeah. I wanted him to get a little bit more destruction done. Police first use a few explosives to try and remove the steel plates, which is not successful. No. <laughs> which I know must be so surprising after all the bullets used against and it. Try to use like flashbangs. Flash yeah. So they use a oxy acetylene torch. Oxy acetylene cutting torch to get through the access point in the air conditioning. And around two in the morning on June fifth, they finally make entry and five find marv inside with a single gunshot wound to the head which that was sad like his little it sucks because i would have loved if he had gone on to like write a book about this yeah i mean it was (laughs) so this might have been an even bigger news story except for ronald reagan our 40th president died the next day on june 5th like, he did all this to bring the attention about, you know, the people who have wronged me, and it's completely wiped out in the media by the death of a president. That's just terrible luck. And I remember talking to my husband about this story, and he was like, is this not in the news? I don't really remember it. <laughs> I was like, I well. remember, like, a little bit of, like, footage or something like that of it, and yeah. then it was just like, that was it. But I was like, why isn't this really a big story? Oh, dead president. Yeah, that it's, it's a little bit bigger. <laughs> On April 19, 2005, after turning down the insane idea of having a yearly celebration to bring in tourism, which that's... I was a little upset that um, the one guy was like, we made a lot of money off of this. I'm just like, that's but fucked But a celebration up. every year is, that's too dark. 
The town announces plans to scrap the bulldozer. The plan was to disperse individual pieces to many separate scrapyards to prevent souvenir taking. And I definitely agreed with the Thompson brothers that they should have built a museum and kept the bulldozer. Yeah, it was a work of art. Yeah. That's going to bring in a ton of money to have a museum. Because when I was in Colorado, if I knew this thing was there, I'd be like, yeah, we're going out of our way to go see this thing. Going to Granby. I'm buying a shirt. I'm buying a magnet. But we're seeing this damn thing. I need a shot glass. I need all (laughs) the souvenir paraphernalia. So, yeah, they would have brought in extra cash from the town if they had just kept it. Because, again, nobody died. (laughs) <laughs> it's not yeah. like this huge tragedy. No. I mean, somebody died. Well, but, you know, but he... He chose that, that route was his for himself. Purpose for yeah. himself. <laughs> yeah, that was God's purpose. So in the end, he caused $7 million in damage and damaged the local bank, the cement plant, the hardware store, the town hall slash library, the police department building, the local newspaper office, some homes, and tons of cars and tried blowing up those propane tanks. He really, yeah, he really did stick it to the man. He could have done so much more damage. But he was, like, purposely going to the buildings where people, like, fucked him over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He could have done way more damage. Exactly. If you, if your building got destroyed, then you probably deserved a bit of it. (laughs) But insurance and state aid came in quickly and helped the town get back on its feet. So it's... Which sucks. People were inconvenienced. Which just makes me sad, because, like, when he died for nothing. So, in addition to some writings he left on the wall of his shed, he also recorded three audio tapes explaining his motives. The tapes contained two separate recordings on each side for a total of six. He mailed them to his brother in South Dakota shortly before the attack, and his brother turned the tapes over to the FBI, who in turn sent them to the Grant County Sheriff's Department. The Sheriff Department released the tapes on August 31st, 2004, and the total runtime of the tapes is two and a half hours long. The first recording was made on April 13th, 2004, and the last one was made on May 22nd, less than two weeks before the attack. So something not really talked about much in this is Governor Bill Owens allegedly considered authorizing the National Guard to use either a helicopter equipped with a Hellfire missile or a two-man fire team equipped equipped with a javelin anti-tank missile to destroy the bulldozer. I am not surprised. <laughs> but once Marv became stuck in the basement, they deemed it unnecessary. Oh, gee, you think? <laughs> As of late 2011, Governor Owen's staff still denies this, but members of the state patrol say it totally happened, but they decided against it because the potential for collateral damage of a missile strike in the small town was greater than any damage that could have been done with a bulldozer. No shit. No shit. <laughs> like, what Can the you fuck? imagine just blowing up this little town? <laughs> we had to stop the man with the dozer. Like, dude. So it's no wonder the have... governor's like, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, you made a shitty choice. <laughs> so it was an attack that lasted for two hours and seven minutes, damaged 13 buildings, and the only death was Marv. This is impressive. Yeah. It's incredible. If it wasn't for that reverse 911 system to warn people, which I didn't know was a thing, who knows how many people could have died or had been injured. To be fair, they had some time to to get out of its way. Yeah, it was it a, was it was a slow moving, yeah, it was you know, pretty slow death. Another crazy part of this 
this wasn't the first attack of this kind in Colorado. I do have an article. So the this is from the Rocky Mountain News. The downtown scene in Granby by Friday was eerily reminiscent of a similar episode in the tiny town of Alma, 16 miles south of Breckenridge, six years ago. On February 26, 1998, Thomas Dean Leask, 50, went on a four-hour rampage during which he shot and killed former mayor Willie Morrison, who was running an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in the town hall. Leask, I think it's Leask, fled and stole a town-owned front-end loader, which he used to ran the Alma Town Hall, the post office, the water treatment plant, and the fire station on his way home. The water treatment plant and the fire station, that's what you go for, not the newspaper. He then set his own house on fire and fled into the nearby forest where he eventually surrounded and arrested by Park County Sheriff's deputies. He later confessed to the slaying in the rampage. As was apparently in the case of Gransby with Martin Hemeyer, Leask was disgruntled with government, which... Marv really Aren't wasn't. We all? Yeah, Marv he was... really wasn't though. He just hated people who happened to be like on the town council. Yeah, and... he was. It was the injustice of. Residents said Leask, a part-time snowplow driver, was still angry for being forced to pay a local water department tap fee several years before, but others says he was an anarchist who protested against property taxes by chopping up boards from his home to use as firewood during the winter, while he lived in a teepee. Leask also sold homemade audio tapes which relayed his anti-government views so Fox News before Fox Fox News News really went (laughs) south the damage in the wake of Leask's rampage resulted in Alma's water supply and phone service being cut off for at least a day oh no (laughs) the 150 residents of the town were told to boil their water while the water treatment plant was repaired it was two weeks before two of the three fire trucks damaged in the wrecking spree were operational again. That's crazy. It wasn't clear why Lee's targeted Morrison, a 40-year-old metal artist, which that sounds awesome. It's not what it actually is, but... <laughs> oh, he's like an actual like artist with, with metal. metal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, hell yeah, rock on, dude. <laughs> Who served as mayor of Alma from April 1994 to March 1995. It's not even a full year. (laughs) The poor man. (laughs) According to his brother, Andrew Morrison, Morrison had been trying to help Leask with his alcohol problem. Damn. (laughs) Leask was charged with first-degree murder, first-degree arson, and criminal mischief. But the case languished for nearly two years while his sanity was being questioned. (laughs) That makes sense. And if you look at a picture of this guy, yeah. Uh, four conflicting psychiatrist evaluations were conducted, and Leask fought his court-appointed attorney entry of plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. Finally, on June 5th, 2000, Leask pled guilty to 13 charges over the objection of his attorney, attorney and was sentenced to life in prison plus 27 years. <laughs> this guy's way crazier. He's like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> Go Four ahead and psychi- prosecute me. Psychiatrist reports. So, um, back to this. November 1st, 2017, Patrick Brower, who you'll remember as the new paper journalist and a target, released a book, which he rightfully named Killdozer, the true story of Colorado Bulldozer Rampage. So he knew Killdozer was going to get the eyes. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a solid title. Yes. So I guess information in this film is sourced from his book. 
So again, why was the movie not called Killdozer? Also, check out Patrick's website, killdozerbook.com, for some blog posts that were interesting. Uh, I saw YouTube had audio of the tapes Marv made, but I, I was not in the headspace to listening to listen to two hours of paranoid rambling. No, like, I, I just, they had enough in the documentary that yeah. I didn't need to go further. And of course, since he seemed as anti-government to some people, which he wasn't, right-wing extremists have turned him into a hero. Why not? They use, like, his writings he had left, they use those as a meme. I think that will do it for this week. All right, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at doctomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at doctomepod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.